Hi there. This is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's word and the ministry of the Spirit. So now, so we just get started. We get started. So Holy Spirit, just um, call everything onto your hands. Call everything onto and we pray that your word come with nourishment and your word come with simplicity unto us this evening. You are the teacher, no one is, you are the master, no one is. And we pray that you send your word unto us, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right, family, so let's just get started. Yeah, so uh, the concept of uh, the fruit of the Spirit, so we've been having a series of... Um, series of installment on this we'll be looking at and it's amazing that we can't even fully exhaust everything because the world is just uh, so elastic just going bigger and bigger in our hearts and uh, one thing which i want to build on tonight is that we've all been taught and we understand that when we talk about the fruit of the spirit it's a fruit without s like it's just one single fruit whereby we have different expression even of that fruit so we have like a different diverse expression. So the primary one is love. Then we get to understand that uh, that these fruits is what the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, produces in us. Is what He produces in our hearts when we receive Him. And uh, there's one very very vital point which is also going to form like a foundation for what we're looking at tonight. Is the fact that Peter's explained more on this, which totally makes sense. Like when you see a building, when you see a house. We can be so sure that the house never comes to be by default. So the house never comes to be by disorderliness. So when you see a beauty, we know that there must have been a thought process, there must have been a painstaking planning process that made that house to be a solid place. So, like when we look at the gifts, we understand that uh gifts we receive them from God. We don't have any contribution just to ask, then we receive. But we understand that when it's the fruits. When it's if we receive them from God, but there's a participation that must come from us to actually make sure that this fruit grow even in us. Like you can't have any plant just uh, when you see fruits, there must have been like a level of uh, deliberateness that made that fruit able to come to be. So we'll be building on this foundation tonight. And something very, very important to like uh, I'll be trusting God to help us to look at this concept of the fruit of the spirit via taming or uh, let me use the word subheading tonight. And you know, when um, when I see the invitation for this, I was just like, just thinking, just meditating that, okay, fine, Holy Spirit, what will you have for us? And uh, what is your plan for us? And why the fruit of the Spirit? What's so essential about this fruit? Is there a relation between this fruit and what you are doing in our time, in this end time? And I was actually the word blown away by what I saw in the heart of God, that there's actually like a very, very powerful relationship between the fruit of the Spirit and the prophetic move of what God is doing in our own time. So I'm trusting God to expose us to this as a first thing tonight. Then I'll be trusting God to also lead us whereby we look at one of the fruit of the Spirit, very, very vital, that without these fruits, none, like none, so none of us whatsoever can ever come into perfection of what God has made for us. And then finally, I'll be looking at the process, how we can actually like uh, grow, how we can actually like through our hearts, through like being deliberate, begin to like build then make sure that this fruit that they come to our life in our hearts so i'll try to help us through this so now looking at the very first point looking at the very first point here's the first like so i was like okay fine when we see a move 
when we see a move necessarily like every move has an intention as a focus as a end in means so it's more like how when you see for instance let me say when you see a volcano so like after ravaging everywhere after everything in the aftermath there must be something that must depict that oh yeah something has actually passed through here so for instance I think volcano is not a very good example, but we can actually we can actually associate it with a move. So when you see that, for instance, we know that we know that after a volcano, what do we see? We see destructions everywhere. So when you see a move, there must always be something that we explain that oh yeah, something has passed through this place at, at a particular time. So normally, when we see the move of God, what comes to mind generally is going to be like okay, when we hear the move of God, we think about the power of God being manifested, being shown everywhere, like the power of God being seen everywhere. So we see more like the power, get everything just going on. But there's always something underlying to every move of God. There's always something that God wants to do at the end of every move. And the fact is that when you make encounter with a spirit, a spirit must always be known by what comes out of it after the move. So when we make encounter with a spirit, there must be there's a nature of every spirit that must be felt after every move of the spirit. So we get to understand that when we talk about the fruit of the spirit, they are essentially the character of God. They're essentially the nature of God, are the attributes of God. So it means that when we see the power of God move in a location, move in a vicinity, after that move, there must be something that must be able to see. And what we able to see is that when we see that move of God, essentially the nature of God must reside in that vicinity, in that nation, in that location. So the move don't just end on its own that, okay, yeah, we see the manifestation of power, revival popping up everywhere, God doing great things everywhere. And we just suggest that, okay, fine, 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 thank God, we give God praise. Now, there's essentially something in the heart of God. And what he wants to do is that he wants to colonize this into that environment by his nature, by his character. So that whenever anybody gets there, you can see the character of God. You can know that, mm, indeed, the spirit has passed through here. And this spirit can be judged by the nature, by what exudes out of that spirit, which is essentially the nature of God. So I want us to understand this as a very, very vital ingredient so that we can know that when we are talking about the, the, the character of God, we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, there's an end for it. And the end is that when God moves in our lives, when God moves in our vicinity, what people touch essentially, much more than the power is that they see the character of God revealed in us. They see it's revealed in us. Now, there's a very, very powerful thing that I so much love. Which you can see, like I put something here that that every spirit is known by its by its power. It's known not by its power, but by the outburst of its character, by the fruit which I know them. So when you see a spirit, essentially you can judge what that spirit is, not really by the power that is manifesting, but by what comes out of that spirit as the aftermath. So we can see something so powerful about God that Bible just know that God causes His Son to shine on both the wicked. And the and the good, he made even the rain to come both the wicked and the good. So God is saying that okay, fine, you can see the manifestation of my power. My power should my power dictates how the universe runs. But what influences how everything moves is my spirit, is my character essentially. So his power made rain to come upon both the wicked and the and the good. His power made the sun to fall on this the, the sun rather to shine on both the wicked and the good. But essentially, it's nature determined that though this, though this this rain will come, this sun will come, but one thing that I will do is that you must still see my love through my power. So essentially, when you see the power of God move, the aftermath of it is that you must see the character of God being exhibited as the aftermath of it. And it's so amazing that, like, I could just, like, just see it all through the scripture. 
And there was, some, there was one example that I so much love. In the Old Testament, we see the power of God move to the Israelites. A lot of nations quaking at the end of the name of the Israelites, like, oh, yeah, they are coming. We know the skill of Jericho, how they had to, how they had to like, shut the gate of the city in and out, that nobody could come into the city. They were dreading. They saw the power of God. They were so much full of dread. But there was just one person. She looked beyond the power and she saw the character of God that know that though this God is so powerful and this God is so and this God is so terrible, yeah, this God, this God is so gracious. And that's Rahab. We thought that as a prostitute. Rahab saw beyond the power. She saw beyond the, rep the, the representation of the power. She saw beyond the expression of the power. And she looked into that power and she saw the heart of God. She caught the revelation of it that this God is so merciful and this God is so full of mercy. And by understanding the, the nation of God, she entered into a covenant that is beyond her own time. She entered. She saw the end from the beginning. And she became part of the household. She was grafted in that, that, that salvation. She was a white vine. She was grafted in into the Israelite, into the covenant of Israelite. By what? By understanding essentially that no, this God is so much full of power. This God is so much full of power. This God is so terrible that everybody they were dreading. They were running, they was hiding because of this God. But she saw the power move for God and she saw the character of God that this God is so merciful. That was the revelation that she caught. That she caught. Essentially, so when we say the power of God, the end goal is not the power in itself. The end goal is that everybody will touch the nation of God, will touch the character of God, move through that power. Moses saw it. He saw it. He saw the burning bush. But essentially, beyond the fire, he saw that the bush was not consumed. Oh, wow. Like, though I could see this fire, this fire, this, this fire can consume, but the bush was not consumed. That God will even preserve even the least of all. God will even preserve even, a, even a, a, a bush that has no life that is so insignificant that God will even preserve this bush. So he saw it and that caught his attention that, ah, no, there's something going on here. I need to see what is going on. Literally, seeing fire, that is not really like enough to have people drawn in. But he saw the nation of God. So what drew him onto God was essentially the nation of God. And you know what? That was the issue that Israel had with God. They saw his power, but they never understand his heart and his way. They never understood that this God is so full of power. And yet this God is still a father. He's still loving. They never understood. They never picked that mindset of God. They never picked the character and the nation of God. So all about all the discourse, all issue that God had with them was that, guys, you've been seeing how so powerful I've been. But I want you to see my heart. I want you to understand my heart because the end goal is that you must see my heart, must understand my heart, and you can manifest this character together with me. So I was just like, okay, go fine. So if this is what you are doing, essentially you are saying that when there's an adverse of power in our midst, when there's expression of gifts in our midst, diverse kind of gifts in our midst, you're essentially saying that, guys, you can actually bring the world to me by manifesting my power. But what will make them stay? It's not really my power. It's my nature that they must find in you. It's my character. That is what will make them stay. It's not essentially what they see from afar. Not essentially the coming. Not essentially, not essentially the power that they see. That draws them near to me. Because that's loud enough. It draws them. That's fine. Because saying that, okay, guys, what I want to do is that you see this power, but when you come to me, what you must drink out of me must be my character. And what will actually change the world is my character, which is the food that I'm going to make to grow in you. I know something, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus actually demonstrated something about this in the Bible. Very, very profound, actually, that Jesus demonstrated this. Remember this story, right? This story, uh, 
about the fig tree that Jesus, that Jesus caused the fig tree. I just be like, why? Why did he cause the fig tree? Why? He was hungry and he saw the tree from afar, so much full of leaves, so green, so tender. And that drew Jesus, he was full of happiness. Yeah, I've seen something. I can go here and dine. I can go here and be okay. But when he got there, he was disappointed. The tree was just full of leaves. There was nothing, no fruit whatsoever. And Jesus caused the tree. <laughs> not as a show of, he caused it so that, so that he can tell us something that, guys, come. It's not really about covering. It's not really about the power that you see from afar. It's not really about how so green this tree can be. The, the, let me use what the greenness in quotes of that tree can bring people to you. But what will make them stay and what will actually nourish them, it's not really the leaves. What will nourish them is going to be the fruit that comes out of this tree. So it comes because it was simply saying that in this kingdom, it will never be enough to be full of power and be devoid of the character of God. It will never be enough. It's going to be an absolute abomination to be full of power and not be full of the character of God. That's what this was trying to say. And you can remember, like, like I was not like, okay, fine. What, what can this mean? I was fine. Full of leaves, but so much devoid of the character of God, devoid of the fruits. If there's anything that can be so flamboyant and calling, like you can have manifestation, like you can have a lot of things, like like great expression of power. But essentially, God is saying that, guys, beyond this, I want to make sure that my, my nature must be revealed to you as the fruit that are planted even in you. I know what's so funny is that. You don't validate a, a spirit, you don't, you don't validate a manifestation by the signs, by what you actually see. The validation comes, you no, know, there's this saying that results validate people. But the fact is this, results don't necessarily validate people. What validates people in this kingdom is what exudes out of them. So when you talk to someone, when you get close to someone, when you talk to someone, what validates the person is not really, it's not really the result you can see. It is what exudes, what comes out of them. It is what oozes out. And that's what you're saying. You said that by their fruits, you shall know them. So saying that for you to judge a spirit, don't look very, very, don't look further. Just get close and observe the fruit that is coming out of that is coming out of them. That is what validates them in this kingdom. So, so essential. God is saying that, guys, I'll put my power within you. You will do wonderful things. But what will remain as the aftermath of this move must be essentially my character, colonizing, taking everywhere. Taking everywhere, taking control of everywhere. That's his point. That's what he wants to do. That's what he wants to do. So it's so like uh, amazing. I'm like, okay, fine, God. So what you're saying is that I'm going to do a great, a great thing in your means. I'll release my power. But beyond this power, people must taste of this food that comes out of me. And this food must be what comes from your spirit. It must be the result of what I've built in you. It will be a result of, of, of a collaboration work between my spirit and your spirit to make your spirit to actually come up with a fruit that will be edible and for everybody to actually see and taste of. So it's so powerful what God is doing. And I'm just like, okay, fine, God. This is amazing. This is amazing. So essentially, God's character is what reveals who he is. God's character is what reveals who he is. His power draws people nearer. But those who we understand God, there are people that actually understand this character. And he has made us God. So he's simply saying that, guys, replicate what I've done within myself. What I've done is that I draw people to myself by the signs they see. 
But essentially, what will make them stay, what will nourish their heart, is the fruit that comes out of me, which is my character. So by my character, they can come closer to me. By my character, they can grow, essentially, in me. By my character, they can understand my way. So God is saying that what I'm doing is that you people, like, do great things, but let the fruit come out of you. And this fruit, let it be what will validate you. Let it be what will essentially make people to stay in the kingdom. I remember the word of Christ that by this, like, oh, true love, people will know that we love each other. So by love, people will understand that, okay, yeah, these are actually disciples indeed. They are actually my disciples because we love one another. So that, so very, very vital. Very, very key, which I want us to understand. And the second thing we shall be looking at, so amazing, is one of, like, a very, very important fruit. One of, let me use the word, like, fruit of this really, like, very, very important. And, um, and to introduce that, no, there was something that something very amazing happening in the scripture. Something very, very amazing. Help us Holy Spirit as we look at this. Look at this. Something very amazing. Now we remember the story of Elisha in the Bible, right? Elisha was going to Gilgal. That's on if you check Second Kings 2:23, we see that story. So I think Peter referenced this on, I think on Sunday. Elisha was going to Gilgal. And uh, he now he was going up. To Bethel, rather from Gilgal. Bethel is actually essentially the city of God. That's where the prophets, that's where they reside. Like it's actually the city of God. So, but on his way, some young boys they just came out of the streets and just like, oh yeah, depart from our use, so much full of all you know, like the guy has lost probably air from his air, like a bad headed guy, just leave depart from us. And something very important happened. Something very important. He caused them in the name of the Lord. He caused them. And what happened? Two bears, they came out of the wilderness or wherever they were. They came out and mourned for the two of the little children, for the little kids. And so I was not like, okay, so just trying to just find out that, oh, what's, what's that? When I, I mean, uh, Second King 2.23, Second Kings 2.23. What is happening here? Now, we understand something from, from history. There's this saying that Elisha, like, some school of thought believe that he, uh, his air court was a sign of consecration unto the Lord. So a sign is kind of like a sign of the prophet that they always do to show that, okay, we indeed be consecrated unto the Lord. So they mocked him, they mocked his office of, and uh, Sushi Beer came to the wilderness and killed them. Elisha going into the house of the Lord. And there's, there's another instance, like centuries after, after then. So let me use the word another prophet, but not just a prophet now, a priest. <laughs> and not just a priest. This prophet, a priest, was also the sacrifice. He was going up to Jerusalem to be sacrificed and to be to be killed for the sin that he did not commit. And it was very, very important that so I'm I'm talking from Luke's uh, from book of Luke now, life So it was very, very important that. He, so he sent out his disciple to go to the Samaritan village and tell them just to prepare a place for him. And what happened? They rejected him. And two of his disciples, that's uh, James and John, they said, Lord, let's call down fire from heaven to consume these people because they refuse to let us go through. So you can see kind of like a similarity between this. He was also going up to Jerusalem. Now, I'm talking about Jesus Christ as a prophet as a priest and as a sacrifice, he was going up to offer the greatest sacrifice on earth, and they resisted him. 
I know what I know what Jesus said. What was so shocking? He did not dispute, not argue that you can't do this. He simply said, He said, You don't know the manner of spirits that you have. You don't understand the kind of spirits that you have. So he was talking about you don't have a knowledge of the nature of spirits that you have. So there's this very, very powerful contrast between Jesus and Elijah, and also Elisha. Remember the story of Elijah? One and two were born, turned to roasted meats because they were like, man of God, come that the king is calling you, and they come down fire on them. And this actually led me to like, what's the difference? What's made the difference between Jesus and the prophets? Is, is that Jesus has this powerful, has this strength in spirit. And by the strength of his spirit, he could bring his body, his feelings, and whatever I was feeling, he could bring it under subjection. Like, oh, see, my spirit is more powerful than what my feeling can be. My spirit is more powerful than how emitted I might be feeling right now. And that talks about the strength of the spirit, which is one of the very, very powerful uh, fruit of the spirit. If you share Galatians 5.23, I love our uh, KJV put it as our uh, temperance. Then I love so, some, some, um, some people that self-control. Why? I love the way TPT puts it. TPT calls it strength of spirit. Strength of spirit. When you look at the S, the S is that our hair spirit. The spirit. Not the spirit of God, spirit of man. So essentially, we have self control, which you can actually call the strength of spirit, or which you can call temperance. So essentially, what we are saying is that your spirit has been empowered to be able to shut down the voice of feelings, the voice of flesh. Because it's very, very key when we talk about self control, which is the gift that I want us to look at tonight. Because a lot of time, we'll be like, oh, like, I'm not a dummy. If someone does this to me, then I want someone to do this to me. Rather, then I just want to. I just feel like retaliate. I just feel like doing this. I do like. I feel like doing that. You just feel that impulse to just act, the impulse to just react. But when your spirit gets empowered, the body comes under subjection of the spirit. So the spirit is the spirit has a strength that is far greater than whatever human being can actually portray. So just was simply saying that guy, you don't understand that there's a strength in the spirit. You don't understand the nature of the spirit that you have. If you actually have this awareness, awareness force that your spirit is strong and that you can actually make your spirit to be higher than your body, then you can know that although these people, they've, they've, they've spoken against us, although they are going to make us to take a longer shot because now we can't go through this, we have to go and find another route. Although we have to like do, like get more stress than, usual, than, it, than it, uh, it usually should be. But when you understand that there's a nation of love in you, we understand that your spirit can actually be empowered, then you can say no to the impulses, even of the flesh. Because it's so amazing that a lot of times, like we have Christians, and you can't really see this element of self-control even in them. That you can't see. Born again, but you see people react rather than respond to situation. So they just react. Something happens, just react. Feelings comes over that, oh, 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 this guy does this to you. Like, uh, you have to react. They just react rather than, like, respond as the Spirit of God will help them. I, 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 really find, I found some examples in the Bible that were so very, that were so powerful. Very, very powerful. David, for instance, David, for instance, was a man after God's heart, right? And we know this story very, very well about David, whereby three different times he saw, like, I will never put my hand against the Lord's name. 
Then he has legitimate reason to actually take Saul out of the equation. A king of a country deployed his entire army to go after who? Just a small guy that has nothing. He only has 400 soldiers. Just 400. And this soldier, they were even like worthless people, people that are in debt, that, that literally absconded from wherever they were, moved to the wilderness. So why would a, a nation deploy all its entire resources to go after this kind of person? And God gave Saul into the hand of David three times, but he did not. He said, no, I will never put my hand against the Lord's anointing. So he had a legitimate reason to exercise self-control, a legitimate reason. But there's something about God. God judges nobody, right? So beyond the expression of what we see, one of the things that God will do is that God will look into the heart to judge the spirit behind what we actually see. So God threw another situation to him. And let's see how David responded. Remember the story of this foolish man in the Bible? Let me talk foolish because actually his name actually means foolishness. So, like, remember the story. So God threw a foolish man to the path of David. And let's see how he responded. Talking about our neighbor. So when you check on First uh, Samuel 25, 35, so that detailed the story. And uh, David sent his boys, I'm going to just follow, send his boys like, okay, go, go, go to neighbor. I heard that he share his sheep. Like, we've been a war to your sheep, to your shepherd when they were with us. We protected them, literally protected them. We were their guide, we were their everything. And uh, just give us something for your servants. And the way this guy spoke was like, there are many servants that run away from their master. That was like the height of insult anybody could receive. Yeah, servant, run away from your master. That was the height of insult. That would be clear that the servant of David, like they turned back on their heels, then they went back to David. David, this is what this guy said. David gathered the soldiers like, let's go. We'll make sure that nobody whatsoever, whosoever, remain of this family. Any male in this family, they are gone. We saw David exercising self-control at a particular place. Why? Because the motive was like, I can't put my hand against the Lord. The other instance, which is like a fool came to his face, he was like, no, I'm going to react. I'm going to take vengeance by myself. And now there was a vital lesson that Abigail brought to him when she heard about this. He was like, David, you can't avenge yourself of this. You cannot. Because, and this is very, very important. Like, because you're, when you do this, your mind, your conscience, when the, when, the, when the Lord settles you, your conscience will always be on this matter that I avenge myself even of a wrong that someone has done to me. So the point is this. When it comes to self-control, David was like, oh, yeah, like, thank God. If not for you, I would have destroyed this entire family. So the point is this. When God wants to deal with us, when he wants to bring our self-control in us, circumstances don't really determine how we react. In circumstance A, because it involved the lost anointed, David reacted in a different way. Circumstance B, because it involved a fool, David reacted in a different way entirely. So when it comes to self-control, we don't respond on circumstance A because probably we have like a one more only only reason. Then the second option, because we have a more trivial reason, then we respond in a different way. So because now, when a man wants to strive for mastery, it must be so powerful that he must have mastered the control of himself. So nobody, nobody will ever strive for mastery without taking control even of himself. Very, very powerful. In the description, look for where that is in the description. I love that scripture a lot. We talked about that. I don't know for that. We talked about that. About nobody. Yeah. So that's all. When you share, come. 
when she first Corinthians 9 25 said that every man that strives for mastery is temperate in all things. So whoever will master anything in this house must be temperate, must be able to exercise self-control in all things. He must, be able to, he must be able to like control his spirit, control the feeling of his flesh, was able to bring his flesh under subjection of the spirit at every time, at every moment, regardless of the circumstance. You don't come because today is so powerful because you have a legit feeling, maybe because your boss is there, you have maybe because the pastor is there, because you have a only reason like David did, because this is the Lord's anointing. I cannot put my I cannot put my hand against it because I have, I have an only reason to do that. And because the second day comes, because a fool comes your way, then you react in a different way. It does not happen. There's a balance, and the way we react, we must be we must react in a way that we are being controlled by the spirit of God. And our reaction must be must come from a platform whereby our spirit has been has been enlightened, our spirit has been empowered to be able to dominate the feelings of our flesh. So that's where we are, that's self-control. So because it's so important that because here, here's the facts why self-control is so important. Do you know that like years of work done in the spirit can be like work done like, with years? Working in the spirit can be undone in a day by a single moment in the flesh. The Israelites they entered 40 years' journey. Why? Because of a moment of staying in the flesh. They entered their journey were, were prolonged because they did not understand the character of God essentially. They did not believe they lived in the flesh, and the 40 days journey became 40 years because what? Because they started in the spirit, then they ended in the flesh. So years of work done in the spirit can be undone by a moment, by a single moment in the flesh. And that's why whoever must strive for mastery must master his spirit, must master his spirit, must be able to subject his spirit and his flesh to the spirit of God. Must be able to. Must be able to. It's so, so important. I want us to see the reason why we must understand that it's so important for us to be able to like master this particular fruit. I mean, that this will grow in us, which is the which is our temperance, or we can call it strength of the spirit. We must be able to, as a matter of the very first temptation of Jesus Christ, was about this. In fact, I can say the entire temptation of Jesus was about his mastery of himself. He was hungry, legitimately hungry for 40 days. Can you turn this stone to bread? He was like, no, although my feeling goes with this stone being turned to bread, but I won't do that. I've mastered this circumstance, and I'm going to grow above this circumstance. And he overcame all the tests, all the temptation by mastering of self-control. Remember, when he was praying, it felt that burden. He was praying his blood, is a sweat while like blood, while dropping like blood. And he was like, Father, can you make this cup to pass over me? The agony was more, that was a legitimate reason. His feeling, he was wounded, he was a man of sorrow. His heart was so heavy with sorrow. His flesh was weak. He was so weak that even the people to even pray for him. But it was just like, Father, no, 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 this will not happen. Decades of prophetic words. Decades of prophecy about the Messiah, like centuries of prophecy about the Messiah, can never be undone by a moment of weakness. Christ wouldn't allow that because he knew that years of work in the spirit can be undone by a single moment in the flesh. I said, no, God, no, 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 no. Not about what my flesh is feeling, but about your will. About your will must be what must be done. About your will. So powerful, so important. 
that must know that nobody whatsoever will strive for mastery without having a control of himself of himself so i want us to understand that as a very very vital second point which i want us to pick from this and now see something so i was just like uh just meditating just like okay fine god we know that your your move essentially must resort to a point whereby your nature must colonize the earth we know that you are saying that we should influence the world our character we can build the world up by your word we get the infirmities in the world by your power but what will essentially overcome you is your character that must be revealed in us thank you for that then we understand that for us to gain mastery here on earth we must be people that must have brought our flesh under subjection must have mastered self-control as the vital fruits that your spirit work out in us so the next i was just like okay but how do you work out self-control in us do we pray what happened what is itself how do we work this out? how do you work this out in us and this is very very important we want us to bring home as a practical thing that i want us to engage with now we understand where i said from was like the foundation is that we understand that when you see a building so magnificent we know that every building is being built by someone and god is the builder of, of, of all things we understand that when you see a building so magnificent there's 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 have been a thought process there must have been a thought process a art of deliberateness to make that building to become what it is when it comes to the gifts we pray we receive by faith when it comes to the fruits there's a working that the of god must do in us and it's a collaboration between the spirit of god and ourselves. it's a collaboration it is as a matter of fact when you pray that god i can you make this dimension of yours to be manifest in me what god will simply do is that oh you are praying right okay fine then we'll throw something to your way because what builds character and the fruit of god in us it's process it's what we pass through it's process is what we pass through that's what brings it up in us there are no two ways about it there's no shortcut it's a process the process is what furnishes in us the character of god that was jesus learned obedience by the things he suffered so jesus jesus christ son of god he learned obedience by the things he suffered so there's a cup that god brings our way there's a cup that gives us that we must drink this cup and by you drinking this cup then you get to understand my nature then my character becomes formed in you now uh i'll just make like few two illustrations to just buttress these points very very brief now there is a uh, concept where i work we call it a calibration which uh, i'm very sure that we've had about calibration maybe probably now i'll just give a very, very good example very brief about it so in my line of work it's more like let's say you have you have uh, a tap in your house and you literally want to know the volume of water going through that tap at every moment every minute so you have kind of like something that measures that volume going you have an instrument measuring that volume now it's going to come to a point that the instrument will start malfunctioning let's say you have five liters have gone through then the instrument is maybe like reading two or three liters i want us to follow me very well reading two or three liters we simply say that this stuff is already out of alignment we need to recalibrate it we need to calibrate it and do you know how calibration is being done 
We simply bring another instrument that measures the same thing. If I want to calibrate something that measures volume, I have to bring another instrument that measures volume so that I can compare the master. We call that one that is so correct, the standard, we call it the master. So I can compare the master thing with that one we want to calibrate. Then at the end of everything, they will not like, what's the deviation between these? Oh, deviation is one point something. Yeah, we call it correction factor. This is a correction factor. Deviation is two point something. So you use the deviation by knowing how the master work to correct the one you want to work on. Now, when we become born again, our spirit is saved, but our, our heart is not yet renewed. We must undergo a process. The process is a process of calibration. Is what aligns our heart back to God. It's what builds the character of God in us. So when I'm talking about this, I want to also say, so it's more like a Malachi University is so powerful. Bible says that I will sit as a refiner and purifier of favor, and I will purge the sons of Levi. I will purge the Levites. I will purge them. I will remove dross from their midst. So I was just like studying, how did, how did, in the old days, when you talk about purifier, how did clean silver, how did they clean, clean gold? They simply use this process. They pick the silver, put it inside fire, and they bring it out, shake it, until they can see their own image revealed on that silver. When the refiner, when he sees his image so perfect in that silver, they're like, oh, yeah, 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 this is, this is, I can see myself here. So essentially, God is saying that, see, when I want to make my gift, my, my fruit, rather, to come up in you, I'm recalibrating you, I'm making your heart after my own heart, I'm the standard, I'm, a ref, I'm the reference point. I have to take it to a cyclical process. Let's know the word, cyclical process. So I put inside fire for the first instance, I bring it out. Then God shakes himself, like, can I see my image? Hmm. Yeah, I can see, but hmm, this nose is not looking like the way it is. <laughs> yeah, this uh, eye is not looking like the way it is. This is not my perfect eye. Then dips us back into the fire, brings us out again, like, ah, can I see? Hmm, something is still lacking. This boy is not yet temperate in all things. You still get angry. I'm going to be like, eh, get angry. Now let's put him into fire more. So the way God works out this in us is that he's the master. It's more like the master meter. Is the master. So he begins to adjust us. He begins to adjust us until we become exactly like him. And that has to happen through a cyclical process. So I want us to know something that when you pray that God, I want this food to be to be manifest in me. I want to do this in me. God is just like, oh yeah, that's an invitation for me to come in and actually train you. And what I will do is that I will bring things across your way. Then I will see how you will react. Because through this process, your spirit becomes strengthened. The strength of character comes out through you. A very good example, God wants to teach, let's say, you self-control. Like, okay, I want to teach you how to control yourself. Then you wake up. You're like, okay, yeah. I'm um, probably going to eat today. And this way I said, that. oh, no, 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 today I'm not eating. Let's go through fasting. Let's go through fasting. A lot of times, like, when we fast, you know, sometimes we feel that fast that it does more on us. But the fact is this, when we fast, it does more work on our spirits than on God. When we fast, when we pray, what actually made before you even pray, He has heard you. But the point is that the process, God is more interested in the process because the process does more work on us than the actual results. So God is not necessarily interested in the results, in quotes, in quotes, he knows the hand already. So his emphasis is not only in the head, but, but his emphasis is on the process. Because through the process, we become. Through the process, we become what he has seen in his heart. If you have moved this like in a day, 
it could have translated into the to Canaan, but the prophets must do something on their heart. They must do something on their spirit. They've seen the miracles of God all through Egypt. There was darkness everywhere, but Goshen was full of light. God literally spared them. They saw it. They saw it. But God was like, no, 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 no. It's more than what you are seeing. I must make you to understand that my character must be built in you by the process that I must subject you to. And the process is that you must face the Red Sea. Then let's see what your reaction will be when you face the Red Sea. Hmm. So God said that, God, I want to become this. God's like, okay, yeah, fine. I want to become this. Holy Spirit, let's work out something for you. You must face the sea today. And let's see what his reaction will be. So you see this in front of you. Then behind you, you see the host of Pharaoh. And like, let's see what your reaction will be. So God takes us through this. So you are probably like, okay, full of anger. Not like, oh, I will teach yourself. This anger will vanish through you. But what God does is that he throw in our way things that actually make us more angry. And he gives us strength. He empowers our spirit to say. And the point is this. Every one of us, we have a design template that we must pass through. Just like this answer I was giving about the calibration. Everything instrument, they're not the same. Everything out of the way, like, they must be calibrated. But the point is that you can see a pattern. The pattern is that there's a standard that you must connect that standard with what you want to work on. And the things of God upon every one of us, we, they, they are not essentially the same, but we can see a pattern across board. We can see a cyclical pattern across board. God wants to work out like, okay, I'm going to remove pride from you, then it's through a process. So by the process, it will become transformed. So I want us to understand this so that we can actually embrace our process, so that we can embrace our process. Because nobody will ever, none of us will ever enter into this state of mastery, into this particular place that will gain mastery even of ourselves, gain mastery even of our flesh, without going through this process. So the process is what actually refined us. The process is what made us to become what God has seen, even in his heart. So through that process, we gain mastery even of ourselves. And the point is this, you meant to, you, meant to, you, you eat it once as target. Oh God, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh God, I was able to do this today. I was meant to be angry today. I had legitimate reason to be hungry. I had legitimate reason to be this, to be that. I had this. And God, okay, fine. That's stick number one. Then let's go to stick number two. So that at no point in time, any one of us can ever boast that hey, I'm done. We can never be done. It's a place that goes on forever, that goes on, that goes on, on and on and on and on. So I want us to like, understand this very, very well. Because it's key to what God is doing. It's key to what God is doing in our midst. It's making us to understand essentially his nature. It's building up his character in us. And it's making us people that will be so much powerful that we can actually control our own self. That we can face fire and be like, oh yeah, I can see this fire. The flesh is like, oh no, no, no I'm not going in. We're like, no, no, no I'm, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna face this fire. I'm not gonna do this. The flesh are legitimate reason to revolt. But we'll just be like, no, flesh. You can have your own say, you can have your own way, but what thing was, what, what will matter at the end of the day is that my spirit has been empowered, my spirit has been engraved to go to like rise above what my flesh is saying, to go to like gain mastery above what the flesh is saying. That's a very, very important thing that we must gain mastery of. Remember, Jesus, like when he was about to take him, one of them drew out his sword, you know, like, no, 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 put your sword back into the into his shell. So you must understand that I have control over what is happening here. That was mentioning on Sunday. I could call out 12 legions, more than 12 legions. They can actually come here, take over this fight. But Jesus knew that. And that's another thing. One very, very vital thing to actually like self-control is that knowledge aids self-control. Process, then there's knowledge 
It's not saying that, oh, fine, 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 fine. I understand you're ready to fight. But there's something far, far greater at stake here, which is that the salvation of the entire universe and thousands and millions and billions of those who are to come is going to rest solely on what happens here. Put your sword back into the shirt. Now is not the time to fight. Now is not the time to fight. So he, 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 he became so dumb. He was led even like as a sheep before the slaughterer. And he was so dumb because he knew that, oh, come on, what is happening here? See, I, I actually don't see a greater manifestation of, of self-control than that. He knew he had the power. You know that, see, here's the point, like, as I round off, here's the point. To exercise self-control, right, you don't do that from the place of inferiority complex. Maybe like, I don't have power. I don't understand. That's why you just, when, just when they said, let us call fire from above. Like, he did not argue with them that he did not have the power. So he knew that they understand, okay, we have the power. As a matter of fact, that same, that same chapter, they came back from the mountain of transfiguration. <laughs> they, saw, they saw Elijah and they saw Moses. They saw them dialogue with Jesus. And they heard the voice of God. So they, so they knew the power that was in their disposition. So they were not talking from the place of inferiority complex. They had that, that, okay, yeah, we can do this. So you don't get maybe like, um, I, can, I have this self-control because I probably don't even know the kind of power I have. No, 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 no. So they understood. We were like, no, no, you actually have power. I'm not going to argue that. But you don't understand the spirits. You don't understand the spirits. So the, the, the point is this. Knowledge is very vital and the process is very vital. Because, in fact, knowledge is what will help you when you are going through the process. Know that God is working out something in me. And the end of what's working out in me is that I become temperate in all things. So knowledge aids the development of self-control as a fruit in us. And the point is, when we talk about process, it's not just because when God is working on us, making the fruit to come out of us. A lot of time, like as God is working on self-control in us, long suffering, other gifts are just other fruit are just like popping up, popping up, popping up, because the same mechanism also working out all those other fruits in us. So what should our disposition as a round up is that. Our disposition should be that we embrace our process with joy. Mm, yeah, we embrace it with joy. We embrace it, that's our disposition. And we go through that process knowing that I'm adding virtue to my faith. And the end is that Christ will be revealed in me. And when Christ is revealed in me, when people come close to me, what they see is that they see the nature and the character of God exude out of my life. That's how they judge my spirit. That's how they know that indeed this person has touched God. So how they know that they, how they know that this person has touched God. It's not really the manifestation of, manifestation of the power. You just said on that last day, a lot of people, a lot of people they call that God, we did this. You just like, guys, ah, yeah, 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 but I don't know you. Because the power is not what causes validation. What causes validation is the nature of what comes out of this. What causes validation is what exudes out of the spirit. And the point is, we are spirits being, when someone touches you, when they come close to you, their testimony should be what they feel and what they feel should be the character of God that comes over them. What they should, what they should feel should be the nature of God. They can be like, I touch this person and I can feel this powerful love exuding out of their life. I touch this person and I can see joy just coming out. I touch this person, I can see so template in all things. That's what they saw. That's what they saw. They were like, This guy, they've it's like they've moved to Jesus. These guys, they are Christian. They saw the character, not necessarily the power. Because if it was the power, they were first prophets in that time that they were also casting out demons. Remember, bad Jesus was one of them. Remember this guy, Simon, that was asking for those people. They were casting out demons. 
essences, they were doing a lot of things. So power was rampant. There were darkness, like dark power doing a lot of things. But when you move close to the power, what do you see? You see light, you see the nature of the spirit coming out of them. Oh, remember in Revelation? In Revelation, so my time is almost up. In Revelation, do you remember in Revelation? About uh, the beast. The beast was literally calling down fire from heaven. <laughs> what greater sign could that could be more than that? Fire coming down from heaven. Literally, people who see it. But when you go close to this, what do you see? Let me say that it was full of blasphemy against God, against him who sits on high. It was full of blasphemy. Although it was full of power, but what oozes out of the spirit was blasphemy. So you can't judge your spirit by what comes out of the spirit, by the nature of the spirit. You can't judge that by it. And that's why there's nobody that will speak by the spirit of God, whoever called God at first. Because the nature of God must ooze out of you. So the end of it is that, end of everything is that when the move of God comes in our own time, when the move of God comes in our own days, when the power moves just like a tornado, what leaves, what, what it leaves at its wake is the search of a kind of a tornado. But in our own case, what comes in our what lives in our wake is the character of God. We influence the world by the character of God. We change people by the character of God. We change people by the skin, by, by the fruit of God that oozes out of our inner person. That's how they touch us. That's how they know that indeed this guy they are Christian. And how we actually gain mastery of this is that God brings us into a cyclical process. The process works out virtue in us. The process works out the fruit of God in us. The process works out the character of God in us. So I encourage us to embrace our process. And to give in totally to the spirit of even as it take us through like <laughs> very very like fire like literal fire because we know that this fire is working out patience in us this fire is working out virtue in us and this fire is going to make us temperate in all things amen so father we give you praise jesus thank you great Thank you for the revelation of yourself. Thank you because we are so sure of what you want to do. We know that in our own time you are moving through us, you are moving our day, and we know that what people will see to acknowledge that indeed you are with us is your name. Wow, what a word. For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at PowerPoint Tribe.